Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. We sit down and chat with business owners, entrepreneurs, and some of the best conversation starters. This is a podcast about real life lessons and people doing cool shit. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Curious Conversations. You're blinding me with your light on your phone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Didn't realise my torch was on. That's fine. How are you, Tal? I'm good, thank you. I'm good this week. I'm very tired. Well, you're nearly there. How many more weeks? I've got nine weeks left, but that's not why I'm tired. I'm just tired because we had a really big day yesterday, but also pregnancy, but I'm tired and I can't wait to go home today. I know. It's been a it's been a big week so far. It has and it's only... Wednesday. What what else is news? How's life? No other news. Just I've started to put together the nursery. Damien put together the drawers yesterday, the cot. We painted the wall. So it's slowly, slowly coming together. Um, so I think we've got one more piece of furniture put together and then I can start putting stuff away because my spare room is giving me so much anxiety. Well, not the spare room, the nursery is giving me so much anxiety. There's so much shit everywhere. Other than that, nothing else. Really? What about you? Yeah, same old. Went out on that date. Oh, my God. I think that should be an episode in itself. Yeah, we were going to record an extra episode today to give you guys an update, but we might have to do it next week. But, yeah, Sarah went on a date. And applications to the email. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He did not pass the applications. The email did not pass. Um, but the hinge date did. But do you know what the beautiful thing is? I've had a couple of girls message me saying that I'm inspiring them to get back oh, out there. Oh, I love that. So um, everyone's everyone's rooting for me right now and everyone's invested in my dating life. So I have to give you the tea because there was one moment where I messaged Tal and I was like, oh, my God, dot, dot, dot. And she was like, oh, my God, dead. Yeah, and she wrote it actually on the um, Curious Conversations Instagram and one person said, dot, 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 he's French, dot, dot, dot. Someone else said, dot, dot, dot. His hat was, His backwards. Hat was backwards. I was like, oh, my God, lol. Um, people must know me then if they think I do love a hat backwards. I think every single girl loves a hat backwards. Yep. But that's – we'll save that for another day. But I – Today's guest is one of our dear friends, Nat Kringudis, who's mm-hmm. an expert when it comes to women's health, whether it's you want to fall pregnant or it's something to do with your period or it's your hormones. She is the expert. Yeah. Nat's amazing. We've had Nat on the podcast before, but we just had three specific topics that we kind of really wanted to talk about today mm-hmm. that we cannot talk about because we're not an expert in that field. But Nat came on and we spoke about fasting, which I found so interesting because a lot of people that I've been speaking to over the last month, I know we bang on about how people have been being 
going sober. Mm-hmm. But another thing I keep hearing, even my eyelash lady, her boyfriend was fasting and he's like this Italian butcher guy. And I was like, I find it so fascinating the different types of people that are fasting at the moment. And my brother who's on next week, he just did a yeah. a water fast. So I'm like, it keeps coming up. So we spoke about that. What mm. else did we speak about? We s- spoke about where you should fast in your cycle. We actually got her to break it, our cycles down to what hormone goes where, what what's happening pre-ovulation, post-ovulation. Your and actual she, period. She bleed. did that so well. And then... Another topic we spoke about was perimenopause and menopause. Mm-hmm. And I found it so interesting that Western medicine will tell you you're in perimenopause. And she's like, oh no, there's so many other tests we can run to see what's happening with your estrogen, what's happening. And you understand these hormones more because Nat explains it so well. Progesterone and the big doozy we learned about is cortisol and that little shit cortisol, you you got to rang that in. Mm, and cortisol essentially is like your stress, mm-hmm. um, high intensity workout, stress, coffee, all that kind of stuff. If you don't know what cortisol, cortisol is. is, they're the kind of factors that contribute yeah, to, to cortisol. cortisol. So it's really important to lower your cortisol down. But yeah, it was a great episode and I think we should just dive straight in. Yep. I think it's really important for boys to listen to this too. If you've got a daughter, if you've got a girlfriend, to understand what she's going through every single month, mm-hmm. it's really important and what she'll go through in her life also. I, yeah, I think it's like you touched on that. I think it's really important if you are a dad and you've got a daughter, I think it's really, really important to listen and understand. Or even if you've got a partner, like if you're going through menopause and you're going crazy, your partner can better understand mm-hmm. what you're actually going through. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I was like when we were doing that podcast, I was like, oh, I wish my dad had have known more about the female body and Mm. like the period and stuff it would have made for less comfortable situations or um, less uncomfortable situations you know you might be a single dad you don't know I think it's really important for dads to understand it's really great episode hope you like enjoy and um we'll speak to you guys next week share with all your friends ciao Nat hi welcome back to Curious Conversations oh yeah thank you I love a good old welcome back (laughs) I know how good wait have we only had Twice or once? I think we've been twice. Once. Mm. Okay, well, this is the second time. Right. Yeah. Yes. So no pressure. I need a third world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight in with a hard question. Oh, yeah. Why do you do what you do? I love what I do. Um, I know that um, it's a very good question, but I, I, I know I get so much satisfaction when you help someone make something make sense uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then the penny drops and then they take responsibility for their health rather than thinking that it's outside of them. So I find it really fulfilling and I think that there's too much overwhelm in something that's really not that hard when you understand it. That's true. That's true. For anyone that's listening and don't know who you are and what you were just explaining, can you just give us a quick background of what you do? Sure. Um, My background's Chinese medicine, uh, although I would say I'm more integrative Mm. in my approach nowadays. So. Um, you know, all uh, alternative or complementary is actually a nicer word than alternative, <laughs> I think, um, in what I do. But I really love to integrate that. And I really love to help women really make good choices. It's That's actually what I, when someone's like, what do you do? I'm like, I help women be informed and make good choices. But yeah, that's my background. And I've had a clinic uh, for nearly 20 years, which makes me sound really old. So crazy. (laughs) Um, And been in the industry for a long time. I've seen a lot of things come and go. And I think at the end of the day, when you can just keep it 
easy, mm-hmm. then everything is better and we really do overcomplicate it and we really do fear it and so how do we take that out? So, yeah, that's what I do. But because of that I've been privileged enough to go on and be able to do lots of other things, books and mm-hmm. series and, um, you know, any way I can reach people, I'll yeah. use the platform. Give me a platform, I'll use it. <laughs> well, you've got curious <laughs> conversations today. When you say easy, what do you mean as easy? Do you think that women are thinking too much into health and fitness or we're just doing too much or it's fatty? What do you mean by easy? No, I think we don't understand it, so therefore we just go to the worst-case scenario. Okay. So let's say your period's missing. I can't tell you how many women mm-hmm. will say, Nat, something's wrong, my period's missing. I'm like, as a once-off that's fine, firstly. But secondly, it doesn't just go missing. That Something else has happened, so let's unpack it. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look at what it is rather than going and getting on Google and all of a sudden self-diagnosing themselves with something terminal, mm-hmm. which it's nine and a half times out of ten not, maybe 9.9 times out of ten it's not. Um, and so really I think it's like anything. You know, I don't do very well when it comes to accounting and taxes and those yep. sorts of things. And so... Oh, you know the scams that happen? You yeah. get called. Yes. And I nearly paid $3,000 <gasps> to something because I don't understand it and I feared it and then all of a sudden something came over me and I was like, hang on a minute, this doesn't make sense. But it's the same thing yeah. for health, right? If you don't understand it, you just fear the worst-case scenario yeah. mm-hmm. and then you make decisions that later on you look back and go, I really overreacted. That makes sense. So like someone losing their period and like, fuck, I need to go to the yeah. GP because I need to go on the pill to mm-hmm. get it back, that's an easy way out. Right. And the problem also is we often seek answers in places that we can't, we're not, they're not equipped to give us answers. So don't get me wrong, GPs absolutely have an amazing place. But if their area is not women's health, Mm -hmm. their toolkit is very limited in terms of what they can offer in a consultation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I will sit with a patient for an hour. Your GP might have 15 minutes with you at best and they have to give you a medical solution, which can be life-saving at times, but also sometimes isn't necessarily what you need in that moment, but they have to give you a solution. That's Mm, their job. So I think there's a lot of misinformation. That's what I mean about that. We fear it. We make decisions because they're a shotgun decision only to find out sometimes that actually is either not necessary or let's say a woman's put on birth control for, you know, however many years for something that's actually treatable. They don't get that information and then all of a sudden 15 years later they come off to have children and they're like, oh, my period's still missing, mm. yeah. you know. So it's it's often not a medical problem. It's often a lifestyle problem. Before we get into, say, perimenopause, menopause and talk about fasting and your cycle, can you break down the cycle mm. and the hormones so a five-year-old could understand sure. it? easy. Well, I mean, obviously I think everybody understands your period as being the obvious part of the cycle. Yeah. The period is obvious and we can see it because of, we bleed, mm-hmm. but the hero of the, hero of the cycle is actually ovulation. Oh. Wow. You can't have a period unless you've ovulated. So actually the peak of the cycle being ovulation is actually the star of the cycle and everything relies on that happening. But let's just start with the period because that's where we, we talk about cycle day one being the first day of bleeding, mm-hmm. not spotting, nothing else. It has to be the first day where you're actually 
seeing a flow. Yep. This is going to get gross, by the way. Um, <laughs> you're talking about period flow, <laughs> cervical fluid. But do you know like- what? I think it's important for the boys that are listening. They've got wives and partners going through this. Yeah. And wives and partners that will go through period potentially daughters. And menopause. So yes. I think it's really important for them to understand mm-hmm. it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your period is typically somewhere between three to seven days, let's say. And some as we cha- as we get older, that changes. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but let's say somewhere between three to seven days. Mm-hmm. And then you move out of the period phase into the pre-ovulation phase. Now, I've is, already got a question, sorry. Oh, uh, yes. What hormones are in those bleeding stages? Uh, your hormones are really at their lowest point. It's like we're sl- clean slate starting okay. again. So we start to build estrogen pretty much around that point in time and then we definitely start to build our estrogen um, in the lead-up to the period. So in the pre-ovulate, sorry, in the lead up to ovulation. So in the pre-ovulation pe- phase, let's call it, pre-ovulation and then ovulation, you're really building estrogen yep. at that point in time. So is that is that when you're your most tiredness? Tired? No, you should have you should really be probably the most tired in the lead up to the period. Okay, so like a week before. A day or two before. Oh. So as your body's building up estrogen mm-hmm. to ovulate, mm-hmm. what does estrogen do in your body? Because that's got a yeah. Function so estrogen, absolutely. Look, the main function we look at when it comes to the cycle is estrogen builds our lining. Mm-hmm. Oh. So more estrogen, more lining, more bleeding. So for women who have a heavier period, more typically they have more estrogen. Oh. For women that have a lighter period, they often have less estrogen. Is that a problem depending if you're high and low? Can be. Okay. But you want kind of want it to be somewhere in the middle. Okay. We can talk about that. But So then at the peak of that, which is ovulation, um, you get other hormones that come in and uh, trigger ovulation as a result of the estrogen building and other hormones, follicle stimulating, all other hormones that really mm. you probably don't need to know about. But once we've ovulated and we release that egg in anticipation for mm-hmm. conception, mm-hmm. Uh, we start to produce progesterone from the little site where the egg comes away. Wow. Uh-huh. So that becomes a, a gland or a, almost a, a little organ that creates your progesterone. And so mm-hmm. if you don't ovulate, you're not going to produce progesterone and therefore you're not going to have that next part of the cycle because you're not producing the hormones that you need. So if you don't ovulate. Can you test progesterone levels? Yeah, you can. They need to be tested around cycle day 21 to really know. Because correct me if this if I'm wrong, but does progesterone and your levels of progesterone have something to do with your cortisol? Mm, yes, sort of. Good question. Let me finish explaining the cycle <laughs> yeah. and then we can talk about that. So progesterone is building. You're still actually a, a somewhat building estrogen, but it's not the the main thing that we look at in the second part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Progesterone pretty much gets the emphasis. Yep. Um, and then so then you're in your post-ovulation phase. So ovulation is when you should feel great. Now, that's because your body is constantly setting you up to fall pregnant. Whether you like it Mm -hmm. or not, it is. However, you can only fall pregnant for a very small window every cycle Mm -hmm. um, around ovulation, maybe the day before, maybe the day after, in in a really amazing world, maybe the day after that. So let's say there's three or four days you can potentially That's why you're having pregnant. sex all the time to fall pregnant because you don't know what one it's going to. Well, yes, but I teach people how to know when that is. Mm-hmm. It's actually not that hard to know. What happens at ovulation is that your cervical fluid changes and it's not so much women fall into the trap of looking at it. So I know this is gross, but you have discharge in your undies mm-hmm. or when you go to the toilet and it's usually it's usually white. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it changes if we're not well, if it smells or if it's another colour. That's something to definitely speak to your doctor about. Um, but it's typically white. 
and you don't feel it. So when I say you don't feel it, you've got thousands of nerve endings down there that allow you to feel the changes that are happening, but no one's told us mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I say to patients, you don't feel non-fertile mucus. You might see it when oh. you wipe. You only feel fertile mucus. You only feel that, it's, and again, it's gross, but it's wet and cold down there when you're ovulating. So I know anyone that has enough cervical fluid has thought to themselves, oh, wet wow, it's really wet down there. Yeah. Like it's actually, I can feel that. Often we think it's our period. If we don't understand yeah. our cycle, you go to the bathroom, you're like, oh, no, it's just a whole lot of discharge. And that discharge typically is more slippery and clear. It's uh-huh. not it could be white, but it's typically not white or claggy, like, you know, like yeah, the clag. Yeah, like cool. snot, it looks yeah. more like snot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks more like egg white. And so that you feel and that is actually your body communicating to you, that's ovulation. Hmm. Once that's finished and gone, you've ovulated. It's actually the last day that it's there oh. is ovulation. Oh, yes. wow. So you could have it for one day, two days, three days. But it's the last day that you have that wet, cold sensation that is ovulation. When I'm teaching women fertility awareness to prevent pregnancy, I get them to refrain three days from that last wet day that they're considered fertile for. And then they actually are not considered fertile. Now, there's other reasons why you might attempt to ovulate and come back to ovulate. Um, But let's say we're talking about a a textbook case Mm. cycle. So... Ovulations happen now. Just remembering, because your body's trying to get you pregnant all the time. Um, when I say that, I mean it's either setting you up mm-hmm. or it's clearing things for the next month to set mm-hmm. you up again. You want to be social at this time. You want to go out. You feel good. You look good. You're attractive. You're releasing hormones that are making you attractive. This is post. This is during that phase. So oh. probably for around a week, pre-ovulation, ovulation, post-ovulation. Yep. Let's say that there's four days either side of ovulation, that's when you actually, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, huh, feeling myself. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. feeling good. Yeah. Um, And that's that's those days. Then we come back down the other side and depending on how strong your hormones are really do dictate how you feel leading into the period. Mm -hmm. So you've ovulated, you've had your post-ovulation window, now you're heading into your pre-period window. Mm. This is when we might see PMS, we might see acne, we might see bloating, we might feel like we just want to stay in bed. You might have pain, headaches, breast pain. It's such a great time. Um, Girls just don't have a break, do we? I know, but having said that, these symptoms are generally only there when the hormones aren't doing what they're supposed to do. So they're not balanced. So when progesterone, to your point before, when it tapers off too early, we will start to see these symptoms. Oh. Progesterone's are, well, both hormones are calming. Progesterone's very calming. It's a natural diuretic. So, you know, in the lead up to the period, if you're feeling bloated, puffy, holding fluid, which a lot of women will mm-hmm. say, it's typically because estrogen is tapering off too quickly. Now to your point before, mm. what makes that happen? Either the the influence of estrogen, so if there's too much or not enough, mm-hmm. it'll have a flow-on effect to progesterone. Mm-hmm. Or cortisol, to your point. Cortisol will borrow from other hormones to make cortisol because cortisol is more of a priority Ah. than you feeling great in the lead up to your period. So that's theoretically if you're burnt out and have high stress, why you miss a period? Correct. Well, it can be, yes, because it'll take your hormones offline. Yeah. But if you're not like crazy stressed and you're just what I guess a lot of people would experience as peaks and troughs of stress, Mm -hmm. it can mean that... 
progesterone doesn't get to fully do what it would love to do in that that phase of the cycle, and that's where you start to see these symptoms. So does progesterone bring on the bleeding? No. Um, well, no. It tapers. Well, it tapers off, and then it's it's actually the the process of the whole cycle that will then kind of instigate the bleeding to happen. That's mm. a build, 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 build over the whole cycle. Do we have testosterone in our cycle? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do, do we? Does that peak or trough anywhere? Um, yeah, it does. Um, we definitely we definitely see peaks and troughs, although it's not influential really on any of these things that we're talking about, okay. unless in really high amounts. But that's not to do with the cycle. That's typically to do with, say, in PCOS, mm-hmm. women have high amounts of testosterone mm-hmm. and that can actually impact ovulation altogether. Mm-hmm. So these women either don't have regular cycles or they don't have periods at all. So the first 10 days we're working on building estrogen. Mm-hmm. Then we ovulate mm-hmm. and then from the ovulation we want progesterone to do its job which is we bleeding. want all the hormones to do its job when it, when 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 it's all, when your lining's built out and the egg isn't fertilized that's when then the period will be investigated oh, yeah. okay. okay so it's it's a bit of a symphony and there are other hormones involved but they're the main ones that we need to know about now to testosterone's point you need testosterone to make all your hormones so you need a, li- a little bit but a lot of it is when we run into trouble. Mm-hmm. So we just want it's it is a bit of a balance between all of them. But the main ones I get patients to focus on are their estrogen and progesterone because they're the for most people that's where the challenges lie. So why? Oh no, you go. I was going to say I wanted to be really clear on that because I know we're going to talk about perimenopause and hormones and menopause. But then also when we talk about fasting, it's really mm. important to know where you are in yes. your cycle. Mm-hmm. And even Tully probably knows a little bit more about this than me exercise and what you should do in your cycle like I think you call it seed cycling is that what it is or oh cycle no, sinking? cycle sinking yes so to the point of fasting is a good way of explaining this yeah. actually so in it again everybody's different but let's just talk general terms mm. um it's not probably the best idea to fast in the lead up to the period especially if you're feeling rubbish you're about a period is a big event in the body you're about mm. to shed all your lining your hormones are changing they, they go from being you know quite high to back to, to starting at ground zero again. And can you can manipulate your hormones by what you eat, can't you really? To a degree you yeah. can, yes. You can you can use things to support progesterone. You yeah. can use things to clear estrogen. Ah. Um, you can, yeah, definitely. So I mean, if you want to build a more progesterone, what would your diet include? Well, you want to make sure that you need to build more progesterone ah, first. That's why so, bloods are important. Well, yes, they are, but symptoms are equally fine. So ah. if all of your symptoms are in that second part of the cycle, after you've ovulated, women with PMDD, they tend to have symptoms from anywhere from ovulation right through to when the mm. period arrives. Women with PMS, they will report symptoms five days or closer to the cycle, mm-hmm. so for up to five days, I should say. Um, PMDD is a far more severe uh, situation, but it's essentially the same same hormones are at what play. What is PMMD? So premenstrual dysmorphic disorder. So it's it's severe PMS. It's it's like depression, anxiety. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's a newer diagnosis. We haven't diagnosed women with that forever. It's more of a newer thing and it's some. it gets dismissed a lot for women. I remember writing an article on it a while ago because it was asked for by a, a publication and when I 
when I sent it to them, they said, oh, we're not, we can't publish this. This is too controversial. Let's just talk about PMS instead. And I'm like, why? Women mm. are experiencing this. Mm. It's not... It's not okay to not talk about it. We've so I went on a, a bit yeah. of a rampage mm. and I was like, who wants this article? Yeah, who can wow. post this for us? Because women are suffering. They really are suffering. And the... the um, What causes it, sorry? So if you're saying it's, it's like... It's a severe imbalance of hormones. Ah. But we, we don't even treat it as that. That's the problem because there's no one talking about it. Mm. Yeah. So it is basically, to, to your point, it's when there is not enough progesterone in... Even, reference or in um, relation, I should say, to estrogen. So when you've got too much estrogen or when, when you don't have enough estrogen, it has a flow-on effect to, to progesterone. progesterone. Mm, so if you've got too much, it's like, you know, it's I've got a, a dance far out, it is. isn't it? Far so it's, out. I've got a jug full, right? If I've if this jug that I had, my imaginary jug yeah. here, yeah. is three quarters full of estrogen, there's not enough room to have a balance between mm. estrogen and progesterone, right? Okay. And, but equally, if there's not enough estrogen, there's just not enough hormones in general to go on and make more progesterone. You never have excess. I've, I've never seen excess progesterone in a patient mm. ever. Interesting. So it's it's all relative. They're all a dance. You're right. It's yep. a symphony. I always say this. It's a mm. symphony. But when we when the hormones are really low, you're going to feel really low. Mm. There's nothing good about low hormones. And that's something about We'll speak about in menopause. A lot of they say a lot of women suffer from depression because of these hormones imbalance that happens through menopause. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that to that point, we we've got menopause a little bit mixed up as well, especially in modern lifestyle. We've always focused on estrogen, but what actually happens is progesterone is the problem for a lot of women when they're experiencing symptoms in menopause. The progesterone's low in re, in proportion to the estrogen levels. So then how Eventually, estrogen will drop off, but progesterone drops off first. How do we build progesterone back up? You focus on estrogen. So our Western brain, our medical brain goes, oh, you'll just supplement progesterone, which for a lot of women will take the mood part away, Mm, which is nice, but it doesn't take away the swelling, the puffiness, the insomnia, the weight gain. And that's all due to estrogen. Estrogen's influence and the, the the way that they work together, yes. So this is where we get it wrong. A lot of women will be focusing on their progesterone levels when really what they need to do is look at their estrogen. Is Do I have too much estrogen or do I not have enough estrogen? And how do we know? Too much estrogen, heavy bleeding, not enough estrogen. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So going back to what Sarah said about cycling, the cycle and when you should work out, when should you be doing low intensity workouts, high intensity, not working right, out at right. all? So looking at the nature of the cycle, yeah. during the period of time, depending on how you feel, um, is a time where you are potentially going to go slower. Okay. A lot of women. So when you're bleeding. When you're mm-hmm. bleeding. Okay. Having said that, if you know your body, I am actually personally two days before my period useless. Yeah, Don't I'm Don't even, same. let's not even try and do mm-hmm. anything. But once I get my period, I'm like, right, let's yeah. go. So it's actually okay if you feel okay, okay at that time. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably more because I would be more along the lines of estrogen dominant and not estrogen deficient. So mm-hmm. I've got plenty of what I need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so anytime after the period is a great time to, that's when you are really, think about what you're doing. You're building up ready for to fall pregnant. Mm-hmm. Your body was like, I need you to go out there. I need you to find someone. I need you to look good. I need yeah. you to just be all the things. So let's get you there. Yeah. So so this phase where, where we're outside of the period pre-ovulation is when you can really bring mm-hmm. things on. Mm. The thing is, you, 
if you go too, if you've never exercised before and you decided that that was the phase that you were now picking up a new exercise regime, it can delay ovulation. We have to know that. But if you're doing it month after month after month and your body's used to it, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's when we've got a new temporary change that the body might go, oh, hang on, this is a bit new. I've just got to figure this out in line with everything else. But it'll, it'll return to normal at mm-hmm. some, you know, pretty quickly. So again, we're talking general terms. So in the lead up, to that and then ovulation being the peak is when your testosterone peaks to your point as well you want to lift weights at that time you oh. want you've got much more grunt yep. that's the time where you just nail it if you had a presentation and you lined it up with ovulation it's when you execute it's mm-hmm. when you are you probably you, you know you've got that fire in your belly and then coming down the other side is that because your hormones balance out at that stage? You're not building. It's the peak of the cycle. It's yeah. kind of like the peak of the cycle. You've kind of got everything coming building all at once. Up to you've that. got FSH. You've got LH. You've got all these hormones. All like it's, yeah. it's all happening. It's remembering again. Your body wants you to go out and make a tiny yeah. human, so it makes you look very good at this point in time. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, you're coming back into a phase where we want to start to bring things down a notch, not totally to do nothing at all, but it, it's you know. You are, you know, heading into that phase where things do feel a little bit harder for a lot of people. So you want to bring your intensity of your um, movement down. Mm-hmm. You want to pr- probably move more into things like yoga and Pilates, mm-hmm. or just take take your actual intensity yeah. down. Some say not to exercise at, at all, and I will talk to fasting in a second because I have a bit of a method with fasting. Um, but that's if you're looking at exercise. Everything kind of comes to that peak in the middle and then falls away either mm-hmm. side. Um, and also just know your body. If you if you, if you are used to being active and you just wake up one day and you're like, I just can't do it today, there's a reason usually. Mm. And I think it's nice if you know where you are in your cycle. Like the two days before my period, I know I can give myself grace knowing that everything will return once my period's arrived. Yeah, but yeah. if you don't know that, you think, oh, my gosh, it's gone. All creativity has left my body. This yeah. is my life now. Who am I? And you start this story, so which true. is actually only there for two days and then all the mysteries of the mm. world are solved. But to fasting, you can fast at any time. Now, we're talking about there's two types of fasting. There's a prolonged fast or there's intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. I think as we get older to the point of perimenopause, I think fasting's great when we're in our, our sort of mid-20s to mid-30s, even later into our early, late 30s, let's say. But I think once we start to hit those perimenopausal years, for a lot of women it can become problematic. So this is where I like to switch it to a prolonged fast. When you say fasting, sorry for anyone that's like listening, Mm -hmm. I – are you talking water fasting? Are you talking fasting where you're fasting food until 12 p.m.? Yes. Like, so what are you talking about? Intermittent fasting yeah. would be refraining from eating for windows of time. So typically um, 12 hours mm-hmm. or 14 hours. I mean, 12 hours, everybody should actually be doing that. That's an o- that's yeah. overnight letting your body to just do all the other things it's supposed to do outside of digesting. And I would say for everyone that they should close the kitchen after like once dinner's done, that's it. You're mm-hmm. done. You're finished eating. The kitchen's closed. Put the padlock on the fridge. Yeah. Um. You don't need to eat at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You're just eating out of boredom at this point. Yeah. Right. True. Um. But intermittent fasting would see you potentially go a 14 or a 16 or a 20 hour window. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be fantastic. And there are certain people they definitely thrive. Women with PCOS definitely do better because it does 
immediately help to regulate insulin, which is part of the issue oh, wow. with PCOS. Mm-hmm. So they're my women that I'm like, I know that if I can get you to fast, especially as you're younger and you do it properly, it doesn't mean no food. You absolutely have to eat food um, to make your hormones, but it means that you would look at maybe doing a 14 to 16 hour regular Fast. window. Okay. Some women might do it three times a week. Some women like, like it so much they do it five or seven times mm-hmm. a week. But for the rest of us, a prolonged fast is refraining from food or usually a water fast, as yep. a lot of people know it to be called. Um, and that's usually somewhere between 24 to 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Why would a water fast be more beneficial for someone experiencing perimenopause symptoms? So... Back to the cycle again, there are definitely times that you would want to t- you want to time the fast around the cycle. Okay. If you were to fast during the period, that would be okay. That's not going to affect anything. It's generally not going to affect any of your hormone patterns. Right up until a few days before ovulation, it can be a bit iffy. If you're ovulate, if you're fasting just before ovulation and you if you're fasting before ovulation, it can delay ovulation. Uh-huh. Now, there's nothing wrong with that if you know that. But for the person that's the amateur that's never done it before and then they fast just before their ovulation window, what happens is their period's going to be late. Mm. Now, if they don't know that, they freak out. They're like, nah, you took my period away. And I'm like, well, I didn't. It's just your body's smart enough to go, oh, hang on, something's changed. This is not usual. Let me just figure this out for a minute. And it'll come back and ovulate just a few days later. Mm-hmm. But if you are fasting in the lead up to ovulation, that can happen. So estrogen likes fasting? Well, I don't think that it likes or dislikes fasting. I think it does like fasting, but if you're doing it at the wrong time in the cycle, it can, it can delay ovulation yeah. or to that point. So you'd be fine to fast, just to backtrack, you'd be fine to fast from the period Anytime up until just before ovulation. Mm-hmm. At that point I would say to patients, mm, especially if you're trying to conceive or... Perhaps you just, you, you know, you're getting your cycle back on track again. Don't fast in those few days before. It might just delay ovulation. You've got a window from after ovulation for about a week that you could fast for that would be okay. I don't recommend fasting in the lead up to the period. Mm-hmm. It can bring, what it can do is it can um, bring on the period early because there's just not enough nutrients to continue to make the hormones. Oh, so your body just releases that's your period. Right. Yeah. Wow. So I've seen that happen before. Again, yeah. if that's a once-off, there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. But if you know that, then you can go, oh, that's why my period came early. But if you don't know that or you repeatedly did that every month, that wouldn't be ideal because mm. you wouldn't be supporting your hormones. But as a once-off, the benefits to a prolonged fast are outstanding where what we're doing is the 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 further we can get along depending on Things happen at every stage of the way. Yep. So, you know, food leaves the stomach. You start to release certain hormones that help with um, with uh, reducing inflammation. Um, you start to balance out your insulin. So it's great for those with blood sugar issues. But really what you're trying to do is push your body towards autophagy. And autophagy is when your cells go and clean themselves up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we know that when we can get the body into a state of autophagy, it's beneficial. It's beneficial for various illnesses. It lowers your risk of cancer. It helps you to live longer. So the recommendation is people have all sorts of ideas on this. I would say maybe twice a year you consider doing a prolonged fast for those benefits. Mm -hmm. And a a lot of religions do do that. 100%. And this is the thing too, you know, we look at that now and maybe we look at that and think, oh, well, that's outdated or Mm. we know better. I would 
absolutely agree with you. We've fasted for all of time, whether it's been for health reasons, for religious reasons, or for illness. So actually fasting when sick can have really major benefits in terms of your body doing everything other than trying to digest food. Like to heal itself, basically. Correct, correct, you know. So there's a lot more research coming out. I think we've only scratched the surface when it comes to this in certain conditions. And I would always say this is general advice and you need to speak to your healthcare, your trusted healthcare provider. But the research that's even coming out, and this is not my wheelhouse, but around cancers is quite phenomenal Mm. when it comes to fasting. Um, I think we're learning that lying in bed waiting to be sick is probably not the way of the future. Mm-hmm. Being proactive, doing mm. things like this that aren't going to, what I love about a fast is it's not going to interfere with any medication. I mean, you might have to speak to your health professional if you are on a daily dose of something and see whether or not you can do a fast. Um, but it generally doesn't interfere with anything, which is really nice. And once upon a time, I would have said, especially to my fertility patients, don't fast. Mm. Now I'm like, if you can fit a fast in somewhere, I have seen outstanding results for, well, how do I know? Because they're pregnant. That's the the outstanding result is someone that's been trying. We've had patients that have been trying for years and years that were at their wit's end that have been through every end of the spectrum, as you can imagine. And one stands out in my mind. She rang me and she's like, I don't know what else to do. Can I do a fast? And I said, at this point, I think that's a great idea. And she fasted and several months later fell pregnant and never been naturally pregnant. Welcome back to Chemist Warehouse Picks of the Week. Tell your pick. It is my pick this week. So yesterday I was at a shoot and someone said to me, oh my gosh, your skin is so clear and amazing. What are you using? And my answer is this little baby. This is the Rimmel. It's the multitasker, better than a filter. And it's three in one. What are the three things? So it is a primer. It is a highlighter and obviously you can wear it alone as a base. Yeah. So it's super light. It's not super heavy, but it's got that really nice dewy glow that we love and Mm -hmm. I got complimented on yesterday. And it comes with biopeptides, vitamin C and E, and you can see results in four weeks. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And also we're just going to show you the little applicator because I think it's really, really cool and just such an easy little applicator. It's like a little spongy thing that just glides on your skin and super easy. And yeah, this is available from Chemist Warehouse and it's literally like an Instagram filter. And I would use this for a a no makeup makeup look. That's how I use it. Absolutely. So this is the Rimmel Multitasker available from Chemist Warehouse. Wow. So would it be in that autophagy stage of cleansing the body, clearing out what is no longer the gunk need, yeah, basically cleaning yeah. out the gunk yeah. and the gunky cells, that's what would it- I think that that we're going to see that this like more than likely mm. improves their quality. Now, I don't have any evidence yeah. to say that, mm. um, but I, I think that that's probably what we will see. When you say fasting, can you just give us details of what is involved in the fasting? Yeah, like the- are you drinking like alkaline water? Like what is the fast? So the, one of the things that we really need to make sure we're doing is we're keeping our blood sugar stable. Yes, and I had it, I had someone message me not long ago and she's like, oh, I, can't, I couldn't fast, I followed your fast and I was dizzy and I was lightheaded and I said, 
what were you doing? Were you drinking anything? She goes, yeah, electrolytes. You told me to have electrolytes. And I'm like, the electrolytes were full of sugar that she was having. So salt. I get patients to use salt water Uh and you don't need it to be really salty. It's just salt in your water. So if you had a litre, you might put half a teaspoon. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're drinking something from the ocean, Mm -hmm. but it really helps um, with many parts but it helps with your cells just like electrolytes, to be hydrated, to take in the um, the hydration. So I get patients to do that. It really helps with hunger as well. Um, that also is another way that we're not seeing blood sugar going up and down. Mm. So that's where we feel crazy is when the blood sugar is going up and down, whereas fasting that shouldn't be doing that. You should actually be on a fasting state. There's nothing going into the stomach to make the blood sugar rise. Mm. So that's something else I get patients to do and I get them to have distractions. So... I will get them to go and book. If, say, they're going to um, fast for 48 hours, I'll say, all right, the first day, I don't know, have a chiropractic appointment and a massage or something to look forward to. And then on mm. the second day, have a facial and a, yeah. a, I don't know. You've got to have distractions. And also, if you time it right, you're going to be asleep for half of it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, how should you time it then? To time well, it? it's a good question because I've played around with that. And I think you definitely want to eat dinner on the last day that you're doing it, just it's something to look forward Mm -hmm. to, which means that if you were to start at a lunchtime, you could then have dinner two days later, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, so it makes that last day go quicker. Yeah, it just makes the last day go quicker. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just just a bit of a mind game because it is. It's not eating. It's pretty boring. Yeah. Yeah. How much water are you actually drinking? Um, I would say not any, not crazy amounts, but it is I've found that the people that stay – the most hydrated cruise through it much okay. much more easily than those that don't. But it's pretty cool the things that are happening each step of the way. Like this is what I love to do with patients when they fast is or, or people when they fast is get them to see four hours, this is what's happening, eight mm. hours, this is what's happening, 16 hours, this is what's happening, 32 hours, this is what's happening. It keeps you motivated. So yeah. instead of thinking, oh, God, I'm so hungry, I need to look at lunch, you can be like I'm 18 hours in. Um, yeah, it's like going blood through sugar this. is stable yeah. now, um, you know, certain stores have dropped. I'm in autophagy at around, the, uh, don't quote me, it's like I think it's around 30 hours. And then so what's cool is you enter the stage of autophagy at around 30 or 32 hours and then when you get to I think it's about 40-ish hours, your autophagy peaks by 300%. Wow. So if that's not enough to keep you going, I don't know what is. And I'm like, I'm, I'm peaking now. And motivation to be healthy yeah. right. for your and own then, health. But the other thing is at 72 hours that all falls away. So there's actually no benefit really to going. fasting more than, although some, I mean, there has to be something because you see people doing water fasts for a really long time. Yeah. Um, but from what I understand, it all kind of falls away around the 72 hours. So does it like alkaline your body as well? Well, I guess it is, yeah. yeah, It is. I mean, it totally is. Wow. But there's many, many things that are happening. One thing it's not doing anything around is your hormones, though. It's got Mm. nothing to do with your hormones really Mm. other than if you do have too much of any hormone, um, well, actually, no, it wouldn't even be doing that because the way we get rid of excess hormones is we poop them out. So you'll find that when you fast, your whole digestive system shuts down. You don't poop because mm. there's nothing going in. Mm. So if you've got so excess hormones. So it's not even really they... doing that. Uh, from a hormone perspective, I think it's more about the cleanup of the cells, but you're not really ridding of anything. You're not mm. really 
So, uh, you know, from that perspective, I don't get patients to fast to balance their hormones. I get them to fast to clean their bodies out. But to clear out all that gunk, do you have to go have a sauna? Do you have to do... It's automatic. You know, okay. I have people say, how do I know it's worked? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because you did it. It's just time spent doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing There's nothing magical. We just know that at these peak times that's what the body does. What do you think people find the hardest thing about doing it? They're bored. Okay. We're do so they get used hungry? to reading. Yeah, well, yeah, I think they, I mean, yes, you're going to get hungry, but the hunger's not the issue. I think the boredom is the issue, which is why mm. I'm like, be prepared to go to bed early, have some things to look forward to, Try and do it, I think, doing it at the right time of the cycle, especially before ovulation. So from the period to, say, three or four days before, I think that's the easiest time to do it. Um, On the other side, it gets a little bit tricky. And also last time I did it, I ended up with my period right at the end. I'm like, oh, that probably wasn't ideal. It probably Uh, really made me feel really tired. Um, It's not, as a once-off, it doesn't matter. Mm. Like I said, it's when it's repeatedly, I wouldn't be suggesting that people do that. Also, this all came about because my doctor told me to fast. Did you? Oh, did you? I was going to ask, mm. like, how did you, because you're obviously recommending it now to some of your clients. And you yes. have a big fast coming up, don't you? Yeah, like, we do. We yep. have a fast coming. We, we do them um, twice a year, yep. like group fast, because I find that that's oh, an that's easier a way to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So twice a year we do a, a group fast, um, start of the year, end of the year, because mm-hmm. I don't know, winter's not fun to fast easy. No. It's, it's a hibernating time. Yep. So I don't think that's a good time. But I think summer and um, spring, spring are yeah. great, you know, the start of, end of summer, start of spring. Yep. So why did your doctor tell you to oh, fast? Yeah, so I was like, I feel awful. Um, I just, you know, I just feel yuck. I just said, do I just feel yuck and nothing's working? Like I just don't feel like my vibrant self. And she says, I think you should do a water fast. And I was like, I think you're crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Truly, I just, why would I want to do that? But I had seen a lot of the benefits of fasting Mm. just from people that I Mm. follow and what they're doing. And so I probably resisted for about nine months. Oh, wow. I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And then one day I woke up, I'm like, I'm going to do it today. I just woke up and decided. And then I got curious. I wanted to see what's happening every step of the way. And so then that was so motivating that that's, and I, I was talking about it publicly, so then naturally people are going, oh, I Curious. want to do it too. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really nice to be led through it I, if you've never done it before. But I also think people are scared, mm. really scared of not eating, like petrified, a little bit like an ice butt plunge, mm. like people are petrified of that the too. The fear of it, the fear of yeah. hunger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. the feel of, fear of hunger the, or the fear of like an ice bath or an ice plunge, yeah. the fear of being freezing. We fear things we don't know but I I was saying today on Instagram I said you know the first time you drive a car is really scary yeah but then once you do it it's fine it's the same Mm. with anything it's the Mm. same with fasting the first time you do it you're like oh I actually think it's easier the first time because once you've done it you're like I know I know now what I'm in for and not that it's bad it's just boring I'm so curious I think I will do one at one stage like I'm very curious to do it yeah. But why should people like probably what's perimenopause, menopause that, that you're yes. everyone knows menopause. But let's talk about perimenopause. Yes. What is perimenopause? Well, perimenopause is a phase like puberty. It's okay. the actually the opposite end of puberty. It's when we start to see our hormone shift and we enter the phase of perimenopause from 35-ish onwards. Oh, wow. So people freak out when they hear that because they're like, what do you mean? I'm perimenopausal. It's like, 
you can be in perimenopause for 20 years, but we definitely know that around the age of 35, our ovarian function very, very, very slowly starts to decline. So is that when you are less fertile? Well, it's not a switch though. So, you know, very, very, very slowly we see that decline decline, and that's normal Mm -hmm. and we welcome that. And this is where women in their mid-30s and often for at least a 10-year period will say to me, oh, my periods are getting lighter and shorter. And Mm. I'm like, yeah, they're supposed to. Mm. Like embrace it. And also eventually you don't want to be having a period. I would say, who wants to be the 60-year-old lady trying to use a tampon? Mm. Like, I don't. (laughs) I love being pregnant. I don't have my period. Yeah, right? So, so. We get this gradual decline. That's very normal. We welcome that in. That does not mean that you're not fertile anymore. Otherwise, women wouldn't be prescribed birth control in their 30s. What are symptoms of perimenopause? Because if there's a decline in hormones, there has to be something that you see. Yeah. So we typically, so we blame everything on perimenopause. (laughs) And women will come in and say, I've been diagnosed with perimenopause, which kills me because it's not a diagnosis. You can have symptoms in perimenopause. Mm. No different to you can have symptoms in puberty too. The classic symptoms in puberty we see um, shape in body shape change, your boobs, acne, your periods start, they can be irregular. So the most common symptoms that we see in perimenopause are shorter, lighter periods. Mm-hmm. Um Night sweats in the lead up to the period. So if you're not tracking this, this is why we can freak out again because we're like, I've got night sweats now, I'm in menopause. But if you're actually watching your cycle and seeing where you're getting the Mm. the night sweats, it's usually a day or two before the period arrives. Ah. That's normal to see that. That's a result of progesterone again often tapering off too quickly, but progesterone is a warming hormone. So we can see that we feel hotter in the second part of the cycle. Um, So, and we see fluctuating cycles and that is also normal. So what I mean by fluctuating cycles is anything from 24 to 36-ish days is considered regular. So if you had- a big Correct. So if you had a cycle this month that was 28 days and next month's 32 and the month after that is 27 and the one after is 31, that's still regular. They're just fluctuating. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we see fluctuating cycles and the reason we see fluctuating cycles is because it's very, very slow decline in our ovarian function, Mm -hmm. Um, which means that, yes, we are slowly seeing estrogen decline. Yep. Um, But that's not actually the problem. These little fluctuations are very normal and they're very little and over a very long period of time you don't even really know that that's happening. Mm. What affects that is actually cortisol. So when cortisol comes along, instead of us having these little gentle fluctuations, we see big fluctuations in response to what cortisol does. So remember how I said cortisol can borrow from hormones? If it's borrowing from hormones to get its job done, we feel that. Mm. We get the bigger fluctuations. We get we feel yeah, the fluctuations. Right. We're not feeling at any other time unless we're seeing that. So we can't change any. We can't stop our hormones. We don't want to stop our hormones from mm. declining. It's a very gradual, gentle thing over maybe 20 years. What we need to do is actually nurture or manage our cortisol levels better so it doesn't affect our mm. sex hormones. So our stress hormones and our sex hormones kind of play it out against each other. Sex hormones are always going to come off second best because stress hormones are there to save you mm, from something. Yeah. So we need to actually let let our hormones be our hormones and do what they're doing and put our focus on how we can manage our stress levels better so that we don't have the crazy symptoms that women 
talk about in perimenopause, which is the weight gain, the insomnia, the night sweats, the uh, heavy periods. Mm. Um, they're the most common things I think women complain about. Heavy periods and ovulation pain, actually, are the main things that we see. They're all a result of what our the impact that our cortisol is having. Ah. Not the actual So the weight gain itself. saying like how women say that that tummy, the yes. cert- tie around the tummy. Yeah. Is that cortisol or is that estrogen? That's a really good question. So what cortisol, high cortisol really drives um, estrogen crazy. So it's still a result or there's still a part that's played from cortisol and it's effect on estrogen. Hmm. It's not estrogen on its own doing that. It's both of them. It's the it's the impact that it's having. So we still need to look at there's other there's other mechanisms involved. We need to make sure our body is clearing our estrogen properly. How do and we I do would that? say that's the biggest issue for women. Ninety percent of my patients are estrogen dominant. They've got too much estrogen in their body. One of the reasons they've got too much estrogen is their cortisol's high. That's one reason, right? Mm-hmm. We've already talked about mm-hmm. that. Other reasons can be um, environmental factors toxins, um, anything that mimics estrogen. So chemicals in our cleaning products, in some of our um, body products can mimic estrogen. Jeez. I've heard a lot of that. soy that. products. Yes, so, so that's soy a food that can, can mimic, mimic estrogen. E- so it's not true estrogen, but when it, you either absorb it on your skin or you eat it, your body goes, oh, that looks like estrogen. I'm just going to pop that on the estrogen pile and I'll deal yeah, with that later. So toxins, chemicals, soy, alcohol, um, stress, um, oh, the other big one is um, plastics. So heating in plastic containers, drinking out of plastic water bottles and especially um, canned foods. So women, some women will eat four, five cans of tuna a week and that tuna is lined with plastic, mm. the, 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 the mm. conventional can. So it mimics estrogen. So that just adds to the estrogen part. Yes, the body thinks it's estrogen. So that's the external factors that are driving estrogen, but then there's the internal mechanism. We actually metabolise estrogen in the gut, we detoxify it in the liver and we clear it out through the bowel. So if the bowel's not working properly, first and foremost, and you've got estrogen sitting there waiting to be eliminated, and it's not being eliminated, oh. it just adds to the estrogen pile. Oh, so, so we have it's to look still at, in your body. Correct. So we have to look at that mechanism. So I say to patients, the first place we start off is poop. If you're not pooping, we need to increase fibre. Estrogen will bind to fibre and you'll poop it out. Even if you are pooping regularly but you're not eating fibre, that binding action is not happening and so you're not eliminating mm-hmm. it. So looking at that internal mechanism and just starting with poop, don't feel overwhelmed by this if you're listening like, I don't go to the toilet. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, let's start there. Yep. Increase fibre, increase water intake. Fibre is not just, you know, your grandma didn't just tell you to have more fibre just so that you went to the toilet. <laughs> it does so many things. It regulates your blood sugar, it's a prebiotic, it feeds the good gut bacteria, it's obviously a binder, Um, it helps us go to the bathroom, it helps us eliminate toxins. So including enough fibre is, if that's all you hear today is drink more water and eat fibre, you're actually going to do great things for your body. Okay. So what I've, perimenopause, eat more fibre, drink more water, Try and control your cortisol. Try and, you know, that's probably the hardest part is when and when someone says just don't stress, you're going to be like, no, I'll yeah, punch like, you. Like, yeah, 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 leave me alone. So it's about, I think it's just about being aware. Mm. During peri- perimenopause, they're busy years for women. Mm. We're often looking after children. We're working. We're often caring for our parents if they're mm, older. Yep. Um, we have the weight of our world on our shoulders. Like you're never going to be that busy ever again. Yeah. Um, 
But what happens if you didn't approach it with being busy? I, I spend more time helping patients to understand that they're already doing it yeah. and they just see it as being mm. busy um, and reframing that I get to do a lot of things. Okay. I get to do a lot of things, feels energetically so much better than, oh, I'm so busy, I'm yeah. so busy, there's so the much happening. Yeah, it's just changing the language as a starting point. Maybe some of us, we do have to offload some stuff. You, no one gets a medal at the end mm-hmm. of perimenopause for doing all the things. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, there's always going to be more to do. So, yes, managing the stress levels, introducing some magnesium, prioritising sleep, they're two things that you can do to manage your cortisol. What home. about exercise for women that are listening and they're going through that? Can they still exercise? Yeah, you should be exercising, but we don't. That we we don't as we get older we don't deal well with high intensity, intensity workouts yeah. we need to maintain our muscle because we can't get it back we have to maintain what's there muscle becomes very important so I would say weight training three times a week low and slow cardio that's not going to raise your mm-hmm. cortisol levels reformer Pilates stuff like that, that. yeah yep. and then eating after exercise as soon ah. after will help to bring your cortisol levels down as well okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I mean, there's many things that you can do, but it's just keeping it simple. Yeah. Which comes back to the first thing. Can that you I like go to do. through perimenopause earlier than 35? It's a great question. Um, you can, but I would say most women don't. It's actually a result of high cortisol that looks like because yeah. cortisol will raise your FSH. So your FSH or your follicle stimulating hormone will raise the closer you are to menopause. Mm-hmm. It's the number or the marker that we look at in a test result to kind of go, oh, yeah, you're entering your menopausal years. However, cortisol can raise FSH as well. So a lot of women will be told, oh, it looks like you're in menopause where they're actually just highly stressed. And I've seen this with patients many times. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I've seen this <laughs> with patients many times where their periods actually return once their stress levels come down, Uh, even though they're in their 50s and they thought they were in menopause, they actually weren't. They just had really high cortisol levels. The other problem with cortisol is it's actually really hard to test. You have to test it over a a period of time. You Mm -hmm. can't, we, when we often get a blood test, it, we, they will test us for cortisol, but really to see what our cortisol is doing, we need to look at it over a course of 24 hours, see where it sits within the, the trending lines, um, not just a once-off test randomly morning, afternoon or dinner time, you know. Mm-hmm. It needs to actually be looked at properly. And I did one of them through a saliva test. Yeah, like a Dutch test. Yes. Yeah. Oh, is a Dutch test a poo test? No, it's a dry urine. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. I've heard a lot about it in America, but yeah. not here. Yeah, they're not um, uncommon. I get patients to ask ask me for them a lot. Um, they're very thorough. They're expensive, and truly, is it worth it? Is it worth it? It's worth it. You know why it's worth it? A Dutch test can show you how you're eliminating your estrogen. Oh, so that can be important. If you're not clearing it, the most effective way yep. will choose your body's we'll get a job done. It just chooses a terrible pathway to do it. We don't want that. We want to encourage the most protective, healthiest way, which then helps us to be less likely to develop estrogen-related cancers and things like that down Mm -hmm. the line. So we want to look at all those things, especially if there's a history of um, estrogen-receptive breast cancer. But you can see generally under the presence of high cortisol, most women are not eliminating effectively. So then after perimenopause, we get to a stage where a doctor will be like, you haven't had a period for a year, you're postmenopausal now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you don't even know when you're in menopause theoretically. If you don't have a period for a year, 
Is that yeah, true? That's about it, yeah. Yeah. But then we would look at what your FSH is doing in proportion to your other hormones to kind of go, oh, yeah, look, it looks like you're in menopause, you haven't had a period for a year, your FSH is high. At that point, if I was anyone, I'd be like, happy days. Yeah. <laughs> but, and this is where, it, like, you'll probably put me at ease. People say, oh, you've got such a rapid decline of estrogen, you have to look at your bone density, your moods. Like, they don't sell it as a dream that you don't have your period. No one talks about it nicely. No, and that's um, why I'm like, I spend my time. It's a stigma around menopause, right? Right. Um, I, I, it doesn't have to be awful. Mm. It's really important that you set yourself any phase that you're at right now. What you do now will impact the next phase of life that you're in, and those yep. to beyond that. So uh, this is why it's important to regulate your hormones before you're in menopause. It's why it's important to look at: is my period heavy? Is my period light? Do I have PCOS is not such a big issue with menopause. It's more about um, looking at, at estrogen, I think, personally, with my patients, estrogen and progesterone ratios. Mm-hmm. So like I said before, your progesterone actually starts to decline before proportionately to your estrogen levels, whereas yep. traditionally we just look at estrogen when it comes to menopause, and I think that's where we get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um we need to look at proportionately where does it sit. And so some tests will actually tell you that. I do saliva testing with my patients and it actually tells you your estrogen to progesterone ratio. Oh. So you should be looking at that okay. really to see because if your if your estrogen is, let's say, it's high um, and your but your progesterone is also high, then there's, you know, proportionately you're not going to get as many symptoms as if your estrogen's high but your progesterone's low. Mm. Um, but if your est- your progesterone's low but your estrogen is somewhat lower, then you're going to have proportionately, again, less symptoms. So it's looking at the whole piece of the puzzle, not just estrogen, and I think poor estrogen does get a bad rap because it is protective. It mm. is a protective thing. It helps with our bones. It helps mm. with our, you know, again. Mood, Yes, people say. But also to your point. I know that women, we, we do change shape as we get older mm. and it's not a welcome thing because where we look at society, that's not what we see in magazines or whatever we're looking at online, Instagram, wherever we're looking. Um, and there is a protective part to that ga- mm. weight gain. Not a lot but a little bit is actually a normal thing that's supposed to happen. And, and that's also, you know, part of... Um, supporting our body long-term and for longevity, it's like we don't look at what happens beyond menopause, but really you've probably got the rest of your life to live. Yeah. <laughs> and so, this is where I get confused because people say about these symptoms of your estrogen being low and your mood and... Only and, proportionate though. You've just got to look at it proportionately. To progesterone. Well, yeah, and into because in, if it's all just slowly declining mm. together and cortisol's not making it erratic... It should just be a, a smooth transition. Ah, okay. Because HRT and mm-hmm. estrogen patch, like that seems to be a topic of conversation once. I think women know they're in perimenopause and then menopause because they don't want the symptoms of menopause, I feel. What's HRT? Hormone replacement oh, therapy. From a doctor. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't look at the irregularities that we've been talking about. So for my patients... And it doesn't come without side effects. Mm -hmm. So for my patients, I'm always, how can I get you to have or lead you towards a place where you're at the lowest with symptoms? We know your hormones are actually, we're we're making an effort to keep them 
it proportionate and in balance to each other. Mm-hmm. And I spend my time, tr- I treat the patients that don't want to go on HRT, yeah. right? So that's not to say that there's people listening that, or that, you know, that they know loved ones that are on HRT that are living their best life, mm. but they're not my patients. Yeah. So my patients will come to me to say, I don't want to go on HRT, what are my options? And that's when I'm like, well, actually, HRT is fine, but women will still have symptoms because it doesn't actually treat the reason that we're seeing these discrepancies. Because your cortisol still Correct. might be, yeah. Your, your menopausal symptoms, I say to patients, are so proportionate to your stress levels. And women will be like, oh, yeah, you know, my daughter's just gone through a divorce. I've mm. been really stressed on her behalf. My symptoms have been terrible. Yeah. So it, it doesn't look at the circumstances. Your body's only ever responding to the environment that it's mm. in. So it doesn't have to be bad, to your point. If you can actually constantly, you've constantly got to be reassessing what's my body giving me feedback? What's it telling me? Are my periods heavy? Are they light? Are they out of um, out of sync? Are they are they sometimes short, sometimes long? Like get the feedback and adjust accordingly. So theoretically, if your cortisol is under control and your hormones are going down nicely, you might not have those crazy symptoms. crazy of like hot flushes no. every day no, and- no you might you, I mean you might still go through phases where you feel hot mm. but it may not ever develop to a really terrible hot flush or if you went through menopause and all you had let's say were I don't know you had hot flushes but then they were manageable and they didn't stop you living your life but you knew it was part of the phase yeah I feel like, I don't know, I'm not there yet. I, I, I definitely experience the night sweats in the lead up to the period now. Like I can definitely say, oh, they're, they're gnarly. But, again, proportionate to stress still, even oh. though it's very normal, um, I feel like I could live through that. But ask me in another 10 yeah. years or so, I don't know. I, I don't know because I haven't gone through it. But I am in the thick of perimenopause and I can definitely say, like, my period was due whilst I've been away on a retreat, hosting the retreat, and the day before I was in the kitchen cooking, I'm like, and, that, and it's hot and it's humid yeah. in Byron, but I was, like, sweating and I'm like, what is this? Like, and then my period came the next day. I'm like, oh, that's why. Makes oh, sense. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, I was in a stressful scenario yeah. where I'm hosting and I'm doing a cooking demo. I haven't done a cooking demo for about <sighs> 10 years. I was like, this is not what I want to be doing. So I was just put myself in a stress situation. It was temporary. My body yeah. was responding to that. But I don't I don't want women to be scared of perimenopause and menopause. Mm. I want them to be able to say, my body's going to give me feedback. I get to have a look at that and adjust accordingly. And if I can keep my hormones as regulated as possible, my symptoms should be as minimal as possible. No different to your fertile years where you could have a painful period. That's pretty awful too. So you obviously are a Chinese doctor. The acupuncture, how does that help all these symptoms? Acupuncture's greatest, it does lots of things. But the greatest thing it does is it regulates your cortisol. Uh, I didn't know that. Okay. That's really, we don't have a great amount of research mm-hmm. around acupuncture, um, but the points that we have researched, we know absolutely reduce inflammation in the body. Yep. And we know that they uh, help with communication with the vagus nerve, which sends signals to the brain. We know it intercepts messages to the brain, so that's where it works when it comes to pain. Um, we know we can also increase blood nutrient flow mm. to certain areas. Uh, but it fundamentally it's the best thing you can do for your cortisol levels. Interesting. Mm. 
What so are, that's what it's doing. It's yeah. not actually regulating your hormones. It's yeah, regulating your like, cortisol. Oh, that's, but that makes well, actual also, sense. Because if you're also, this is why it works great for like things like period pain and pain or headaches mm. because it's reducing inflammation. Makes sense. Um, but the inflammation is going to be m- greater when there's high More levels of cortisol. cortisol yeah. oh. Which makes so much sense so if now you explain it like that. If you've got high stress, you're going to feel pain more. Yeah. Oh. More than likely. Yeah, interesting. Well, especially period pain. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially, um, like I said before, your night sweats or your yeah. even hot flushes for women that are stressed are far worse. Because I suffer from anxiety and if I'm super, like Sarah, you've been in situations with me, I'll be in an anxious situation and I just sweat. Yes. So that would be high cortisol because I'm stressed yes. in so that So anxiety is just a response to, not just, but it is a response to stress. stress. So it, what's interesting is we all have a response to stress. Some people can relate to anxiety. Others, it mm. would actually, they don't get anxious, but they, they get worried. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just a feeling yeah. in response to stress. And then like I will drip and sweat, which makes so much sense That's with a really the cortisol. nice way to put it. Yeah. About stress and it's either you got feeling get anxiety or worrying yeah. it's just a feeling well it could yeah. be it's just a feeling so it's yeah, or avoid it you avoid yeah. it because you don't want to feel it yeah well that's what well, i said but on you the can podcast. be overjoyed as well don't yeah. you know someone that nervously laughs all the time oh yeah yeah that's not that's still a it's still a response that's, to stress i released a podcast the other day and they're like you choose to be anxious you mm. choose to be worried and i was like oh yeah true i could choose well, to not be worried right but i don't but it's a default to yeah. yeah yeah and also it helps you get something done True. in a stressful scenario. Yeah. So it's not, it certainly doesn't feel nice, but I, we can learn to rely on it to get yeah, things done. it's true. But it's the same as being worried. You could learn to rely on worry to get a job done because I'm worried if I don't do this or that or the other thing yeah. that I'm not going to, you know. Oh, that's so that's true, yeah. I think it's really important for us to have conversations about this, especially for. At our age as well. I, you know, to it's be very interesting. I've just spent five days with, 20 women who are perimenopausal and it was and and one of the women running the retreat alongside me was past that she was postmenopausal mm. and that was lovely to have her wisdom because she was like these are the things mm. i wish someone told me yep um but i think it's also so important to have the conversations because it was so interesting to be with all of these women who all kind of looked the same. Yeah. You know, things do change and it's very hard when you spend your time in a, a modern young world to be a woman in perimenopause mm. going, what the hell? Mm. Like where do I fit in now? Mm. I don't even know where I fit in anymore. Mm. Like my mind's young, my body's not old, but it's getting older. Mm. And so how do I adjust things accordingly? And I also think that the our generation is probably the first or my generation is probably the first to really be interested in this yeah, and really be invested and look at, you know, how do I exercise when I'm in my mm. perimenopausal years? How do I eat when I'm in my perimenopausal years? And because it's different and it's changed. And once mm. upon a time, even things like weight gain, once upon a time if you gained weight because, you know, you'd been living your best life, you exercised more and ate less. That doesn't work when you're in your perimenopause. Yeah. does not work. So but it's so hard to get your head around that. You have to eat more in your perimenopausal years. So hard to get your head around that because it's changed. Mm. Yeah. So it's like essentially we're now learning to nurture our bodies. I think so, and I really love that for for women that are actually able to embrace it. They will win. They win because they've figured out, oh, contrary to what my brain wants to tell mm. me, 
I have to eat more. Can I tell you how hard eating more is, by the way? Yeah. It's so hard. Like I still can't get there. Mm. I still struggle. I cannot get and hit enough protein because that's the other thing we have to do. We have to yeah. eat more protein as we get older. Mm-hmm. I can't still get there. Sarah, you were having that problem when you were yeah. told to eat more, more or whatever. Protein. You're like, I, I actually physically oh, cannot eat anything else. I can't yeah. get it in. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot. A, I know. It's really hard. Yeah. I'm like, I can't fit any more in. I had someone that was helping me with that and they're like, okay, it's time to increase it. I'm like, oh, please don't. <laughs> like, but please don't. Even to the extent that even from this conversation I've learnt that if you go to the, your GP and they tell you you're in menopause or perimenopause, there's other factors to look at. Yeah. And again, poor GPs, they get a bad rap yep. because, and I have many GPs that I work with and we all get, you know, we all understand. I think that you go to your GP for a medical solution. This is not a medical problem. Mm-hmm. Our lifestyle is what's driving the issue when it comes to menopause and perimenopause mm-hmm. because cortisol mm-hmm. is we're reactive to that. Now, you can have other conditions that can make it worse and we haven't, you know, it's not that's not what we're here to necessarily talk about. They are conversations for you to have with your health providers. Yeah. But your GP wants to give you a solution, doesn't probably have an hour to sit with you and have these conversations, and it's not a medical solution because it's not necessarily a medical problem. Okay, so is there any story. point of that whole period that it does get to a medical problem or no? Oh, my gosh, if you had fibroids and... and so the thing is also a lot of the conditions that we experience during these years are fed via estrogen. Uh-huh. And so if you've got too much estrogen, you're not clearing it properly, it can contribute to endometriosis. Uh. It can contribute to fibroids. Yes, they're conversations. So they, they can get to a point where yes. it is a medical. I mean, obviously, if you're heavily bleeding, we need to figure out what's happening. Mm, yeah. Um, the problem with a lot of what's offered is it, it either band-aids yeah. the problem or it um, is a severe, like, let's, you know, let's operate mm. type of scenario. And that's not necessarily wrong, but I will always say to a patient, well, let's try and fix your estrogen in the meanwhile and just see. What happens. You know, if you're scheduled for a laparoscopy in four months' time, don't just sit and wait for the laparoscopy yeah. in four months' time. Let's see if we can get your body working better because you might find that over those four months we can get your estrogen mm. down, we can get your bleeding down, you can get your pain down, and you're like, oh, interesting, it's not as bad. My lifestyle is helping me manage my mm. my. Well, your body's just responding to the lifestyle. It's actually the other way around. So, yes, you can. And that can be difficult to learn that our our symptoms are directly proportionate to what we do, wow. but they are. Crazy. So, you know, it, everything has a place and I am I think medicine can save lives, definitely. You know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit in a corner and bleed out because yeah. I'm like too stubborn to, to to seek the treatment I need. But I do think we also have to look at. I had a conversation. My best friend's a gynecologist, and yesterday he put up and he said, you know, in a question box on Instagram, and it said, um, I had a laparoscopy nine months ago. My pain is back just as bad. Mm. Um, I'm in an awful state. What do I do? And he said, have another laparoscopy. And I messaged him. I was like, really? Uh-huh. And he's like, well, what? That's the best advice. I said, but you have the poor woman. You haven't even mentioned all the things that she can do and mm. the reasons why that's happening to see if it helps. And he's like, well, that, because that's not my what training. Yeah. And I, I, he goes, I know that will help, but that's not medical advice. So it's not that anything is right or wrong. It's just fitting it into where you're at and what's going to work for you right now to see if, you know, if you can move the needle in those things. Mm, We should always try, though. We should always try. Absolutely. Mm. Where can people find you, Nat? 
Oh, um, I'm Nat Cringutis everywhere. <laughs> There's, this sounds really corny. There's yeah. only one. <laughs> but there is only one. Um, it's Nat Cringutis on Instagram, natcringutis.com, um, or anywhere else, any other platform is also Nat All the Pocodas. And if people want to jump on jump on the fast, when's that happening? Oh, the, this next fast is only, probably, when's this episode airing? Next week. Oh, it's it's um, the 25th of February we start. Okay. Okay, well, yeah. So yeah, if we, the episode's out in time, you just, all you have to do is um, – Register, go to my website or Instagram and it's all there. It's in my bio. And so when they're doing the fast, they're fully supported. They're fully supported. Time. So are you going to hate me by the end of it? Because it's like, oh, there she is with another email. Yeah. There she is with another email. But we're literally emailing you every time something is changing within your body to keep you motivated. Okay. So like I said, at four hours, yep. six hours. Eight hours, twelve hours. We the emails once you're in autophagy, it gets okay. a bit boring. We just, I uh, have one more question. Yes. So Nat also is a co-owner of Embody Minerals, mm-hmm. which I have used before I fell pregnant for my period pain, and it was amazing. Can you have that on the fast? No, you don't want to be okay. doing anything on the fast. Okay. You don't want to be having. That's why sometimes for patients that are taking medications, mm-hmm. I'll say just let's do a twenty four hour fast, mm-hmm. and you can just dip your toe in the water and see how you feel, and you take your medicine at the whatever point in time and then we'd go 24 hours. Yeah. So this is when you do need to just seek the advice of your healthcare provider or your doctor. Um, you don't really have anything. You don't need anything. Your body's doing all of these okay. amazing things. You don't want to get anything in the way. So you don't need magnesium. You don't need any of the things um, at all. And I know that can be a little bit of you might have detachment issues, but yeah. I know some to... fast you can have black coffee. Can't oh, no, you even... can have black coffee. Sorry. Okay. You can have black coffee, black tea, herbal teas, water. It's not um, that bad. It's not that bad. You start to look forward to your black coffee though. Let me tell you yeah. right now. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, but you All don't right. need to do anything. Your body knows what it's doing. You've got to just literally get out the way and let it do the things. As we said before, let the gunk come out. Yeah, yeah. Flush exactly. it out. Get it all out. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, guys, for Thank having you. me. Thank you. It's us again. We're back. It's Tully and Sarah. And if you don't know, we have an activewear brand called Tully Lou. And we have Australia's favourite leggings. But not only do we have leggings, we've got hoodies, we've got outerwear. We've got everything that you may need for an active lifestyle. So we want to give you guys an offer. If you've never shopped at Tully Lou or if you've shopped at Tully Lou and you just want $15 off your next order, you need to take this offer and it's TL Cherry, all caps, all one word, and pop that in at checkout and you will get $15 off. So head to our website. It's www.tallyloo.com or head to our Instagram, stalk our page, use the code, and let's get you all in some TL. And welcome to the family. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 